0: The MyAgLife Daily News Report is the go to daily ag news source for California agriculture. The hour long daily news report can be heard every Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. and is available on demand with the MyAgLife app. Download it for free at myaglife.com.
1: Take control and keep control of tough weeds with the easy-to-use liquid formulation of Chateau EZ Herbicide. Chateau EZ controls more than 90 annual broadleaf and grass weeds in orchards and vineyards. Visit Valent.com slash Chateau EZ. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by the top publications in the industry. West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazine. Here is your host, Taylor Chalstrom.
0: Hi, welcome to My Ag Life. Today, we're talking with Brittany Goodrich, Assistant Professor of Cooperative Extension in the UC Davis Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics about the economic outlook for the 2022 almond pollination season. Welcome back, Brittany.
2: Thanks for having me. It's good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. Brittany, my first question for you here, how many beehives do you estimate Uh, that almond growers will need to pollinate for the upcoming almond bloom and how does that compare to years past you know what's the demand looking like
2: yeah that's a good question and and you know we've seen in the last you know decade or so almond acreage has been rapidly um, expanding and so we're starting to see that level off a little bit so there's about 1.3 million bearing acres of almond Uh, orchards in California and roughly about three percent of those are in self-fertile varieties and so um, to estimate the approximate demand for uh, colonies for almond pollination I use two hives per acre for traditional varieties and then one hive per acre for the self-fertile varieties and so what that comes to for this year is about 2.63 million colonies that are going to Um, be demanded for almond pollination. And that's just slightly up from, from last year where we were at uh, right around 2.6 million colonies. And so, like I said, we're, we're sort of starting to see um, some of the self-fertile acreage, uh, the lower demand from those orchards starting to um, kick in so that our, our demand isn't increasing quite as rapidly, but that's a good thing because um, even still with the self-fertile acreage, um, so as of January 1st, 2021, there were about 2.92 million colonies in the U.S. So um, our our almond pollination demand is roughly 90% of all of those, those colonies in the U.S. So we're still using um, a very large portion of the total colonies that we have available.
0: Concerning those self-fertile varieties, uh, I'm curious what maybe the growth with those looks like right now? I know you said they're around three percent of the acreage right now, but what is that maybe looking like in the future? Is it going up a lot?
2: Self-fertile uh, acreage, or the planted acreage, um, is the self-fertile varieties typically are making up about 20 to 25 percent of new plantings. So they're a large percent of new plantings, but like I said, they're still only about you know, 3% of the bearing acreage. And, and so it kind of remains to be seen how that's going to impact the industry. But I did want to note that there has been studies. Uh, I know Dr. Elena Nino here at UC Davis is working on some self-fertile um, pollination studies. And there have been other ones that actually show that um, there's a huge, a, a pretty substantial yield bump when you have bees self-fertile. in cell fertile orchards. So um, contrary to maybe some people's belief, uh, you you should be putting bees out in your orchards, um, even if you have some of these self fertile varieties like independence. Um, So chances are, if you haven't been putting bee colonies out there, you're likely borrowing from your neighboring growers. And so that's probably not (laughs) making them very happy. Um, And so I sort of see this, if we keep trending towards these self-fertile varieties, I, I think what's probably going to end up happening is that maybe some of these traditional variety growers are going to have to start stocking more colonies per acre to make up for the self-fertile growers not stocking as many. Um, so it, it's probably not going to have that um, much of an impact on the actual demand for honeybee colonies.
0: And just to clarify, when you're, when you're kind of saying that maybe growers should be putting, still putting bees in those cell fertile acreage. It, it is less bees than they would be putting in normal acreage, right?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that still remains to be seen. So the, the study, which was by um, this researcher named Saez and some others, and I'm forgetting where they exactly were at, I believe in Spain, maybe, um, they actually used two hives per acre in an in, in independence variety. Um, And they saw, I believe, a 20% yield bump from using um, the two hives per acre and and not caging those trees. So uh, typically, I think what the, um, like our pomology specialists at the Cooperative Extension here at UC Davis are recommending to use about one hive per acre for the self-fertile varieties, just to, to make sure. But it is sort of an ongoing project. And this is something, like I said, Dr. Nino is is doing some ongoing research to try and figure out what that optimal um, hive density is for these self-fertile varieties.
0: Well, switching gears a little bit, talking about the total production cost in terms of pollination costs for a grower. Uh, I'm curious for for maybe 2021 or just in general, you know, how much of the total production cost. does pollination typically take up and how has that been changing over the years here?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, especially in, I mean, the last couple of years, there've been relatively low almond prices. So growers are very like, you know, cost conscious about how much they're spending. And so um, our most recent cost and return studies um, that the Ag and Resource Economics Department puts out uh, for almonds were done in 2019. And so at that time, pollination costs were roughly about 15% of annual operating expenses. And so just to give you an idea or give growers an idea about how much that is, In comparison, harvest costs were about 17% of annual operating expenses. So really pollination costs are right up there with harvest costs, irrigation, and labor. Um, So they really have been uh, increasing as, as a percentage of operating expenses. I mean, back in like 2002, Uh, pollination expenses were really only around like seven or eight percent of operating expenses so they've sort of doubled um, and primarily that's due to the pollination fees and so I mean just to give you an idea about what pollination fees are looking like so I did a survey recently of uh, commercial beekeepers and on average the pollination fee that they um got last year for 2021 almond pollination was around $192, $193 per hive. Um, Back in 2017, I looked back at the California State Beekeepers Association survey, that number was around $184 per hive. So we've really seen over the last 10 years or so, just uh, a pretty steady increase in pollination fees, pollination expenses. And a lot of that is just purely due to the higher demand from the increasing acreage of almonds
0: good insights there we're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors
1: control weeds from the start with the easy to use liquid formulation of chateau easy herbicide chateau easy controls more than 90 annual broadleaf and grass weeds in orchards and vineyards including marestail fleabane mallow and more Take control and keep control of tough weeds with the proven pre-emergence performance of Chateau Easy herbicide, now an easy-to-use liquid formulation. Talk to your PCA or visit valent.com slash Chateau Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Hi, we're back talking with Brittany Goodrich, Assistant Professor of Cooperative Extension in the UC Davis Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics about the economic outlook for the 2022 almond pollination season. Brittany, as you know, last year, we suffered a terrible bout of drought. And so I'm kind of curious what that, how that might impact, um, you know, high supply for the year of 22. What, what do you guys see in there?
2: Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting year, Um, and especially because, you know, we we obviously saw the drought here in California, but What's going to be, what I see is going to be the, you know, more, uh, the bigger issue for almond pollination specifically is there was a pretty severe drought in major honey producing states. So these are states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. Um, I think USDA estimates that like 60 to 70% of our honeybee colonies are in these areas specifically for honey production during the summer months. And so these were areas that were hit really hard with drought, um, this past summer. And what that means is that, so when there's no rain, there's clearly, there's, there's not going to be any, um, or very few flowers. So that means there's going to be a limited supply of nectar and pollen out there for the bees to collect. And. Beekeepers can feed their colonies sugar syrup as a substitute for, for nectar and pollen, but it's really just not as good of a nutrition source for them. So what beekeepers will be seeing most likely, and I did attend the California State Beekeepers Association meeting uh, two weeks ago now, and they were talking about how um, it's, it's looking pretty (laughs) not great for their colonies because it's going to affect, you know, colony health, They may be having high winter mortality rates in their colonies. So that means that there's fewer colonies um, available. And then another big thing is that they're not having, you know, that revenue source from the honey produced. And so when they don't have those additional revenue sources, they may not have operating capital to be um, investing in pollen patties and transportation to get to almonds. And so there's a lot of potential impacts for, um, some disruptions from the drought uh, in these major honey producing areas. So I guess I would just recommend growers. Um, if you haven't talked to your beekeeper yet or your pollination broker, um, you should definitely be checking in with them and, and really working with them to see what you know how, how you can get the pollination that you need for your orchards.
0: And speaking of beekeepers, you were talking about that, uh, that survey. That you did earlier, and you talked about some of the pollination fees, some of the insights there. But I'm curious, what maybe some of the other notable insights uh, were from the results of that survey?
2: Yeah, so so I asked the beekeepers about a lot of different things. So one of one of the big things that I've been thinking about is, um, and and I think grower almond growers themselves have probably been thinking about is considering the use of of bee friendly cover crops in almond orchards. So. Um, I really wanted to look at this because there's a lot of potential soil health benefits for growers, but then there's also a lot of bee health benefits as well if we um, plant these these flowering types of cover crops. So I wanted to get some insights on um, beekeepers' preferences for these different cover crops. So I just asked about, um, primarily we focused on uh, the Project APISM seeds for bees um, cover crop varieties. And... We asked beekeepers, you know, just in general, what their thoughts were. And, and I think we can both imagine that overall beekeepers, um, really prefer any type of, you know, bee friendly cover crop that's planted. Um, but what was, what I found really interesting was that they had a very strong preference for, um, so some like brassica type, um, cover crop mixes that are, um, consist of different mustards and canola. Because these are going to be cover crops that actually bloom earlier uh, or have the potential at least to bloom earlier in the season, which is going to help out tremendously, especially during that time period when the bees are here, but the almonds haven't started blooming yet. Um, So there was this, this overall preference. So if growers are considering, you know, taking the extra expense and planting some of these, these bee friendly cover crops, definitely choose a mix. It doesn't have to consist of all, you know, mustards. Um, Project APSM has a soil builder mix that has, you know, mustards and legumes and, and different types. So you get like different um, soil health benefits, but the beekeepers, overall, um, really preferred those, those mustard type mixes. So that's something to consider. Um, another thing that I wanted to, to ask about, um, you know, was, was, well, a lot of it was just asking about different, um, clauses and different ways that growers and beekeepers can arrive at, you know, these mutually beneficial, pollination agreements. So one of the things I asked about was pesticide exposure, because we know anytime bees are located near agricultural land, there's always this um, risk of pesticide exposure. So I was fairly surprised to learn that um, I asked about pesticide exposure in the last two years uh, to almond pollination season specifically, and over half of the beekeepers had had some sort of sublethal type of pesticide exposure to their colonies. So that means the colonies themselves are not killed outright, but they may, you know, experience developmental issues down the road. Um, and about 20% of the beekeepers surveyed had, um, a lethal pesticide exposure where their colonies were actually killed, um, in the last two years. So I thought that was, um, interesting in that, you know, the almond industry has done a really good job of putting out the honeybee best management practices. And, and I think that it's important for growers to be aware um, that pesticide exposure is, is a real risk for, for beekeepers when they bring their colonies to almonds. And so following those best management practices um, and, and, you know, just communicating with the beekeeper, because oftentimes it, it may not even be the almond grower themselves that, that creates the pesticide exposure. It could be some, um, you know, grower of a different crop that's, that's nearby. So, um, I think, you know, really keeping that communication open is important to maintaining some of these longer term pollination relationships.
0: Not sure if you have an exact number on this, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, what, what the effect is of, um, that pesticide lethality, um, on bees each year, you know, you know how many how many bees are really like being affected by that each year?
2: Yeah, that's that's a good uh, question, and I haven't I did ask the bee, beekeepers in the survey, um, you know, how many of their colonies were actually affected by it, but I haven't um, actually summarized that part of the data yet, so I don't have a good answer for you. Um, but it's, I guess that's to be continued, we'll have to do another one of these and <laughs> I'll have to come back and talk about that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, we'd like to hear about it because it's important information. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, things like that with, with bees, with colonies dying off will raise pollination, you know, expenses, of the price of bees, you know, what other ways are there for kind of growers to lower their pollination expenses with their beekeepers?
2: Yeah, so that's a good question. And, and really like, you know, a lot of these things that I've been talking about. So, you know, planting cover crops is a good way. Um, Some beekeepers will give discounts if growers plant cover crops. Um, Another one is um, giving beekeepers some, at least part of the pollination fee in advance. So we had over half of the beekeepers, said that at least one of their growers actually provides some advanced payment for pollination. And that um, can be another mechanism that, you know, you pay half of it up front, So they give you a $2 per hive discount or something like that. Um, And yeah, so, and then putting things like different pesticide, I call them clauses. All I know a lot of growers and beekeepers don't have formal written agreements, so I would highly recommend that. However, but just, you know, talking to your beekeeper and making sure you're on the same page about pesticide applications is another way to, um, you know, maybe potentially get some sort of a discount or at least make sure that you're securing that beekeeper for the next few years. Um, And so then another way to to look at decreasing some of these pollination expenses is actually looking at your hive density and colony strength requirements. So we didn't get into it, but um, basically in my survey, I asked a lot about the different colony strength requirements that there were. And you can see that if you have higher colony strength requirements, you're gonna pay more per hive um, versus if you have lower colony strength requirements, you're gonna pay less per hive. And so what growers can do is they can either, you know, require um, most of the growers and beekeepers are um, agreeing on these eight frame colony strength requirements. So one way to reduce the amount you pay is to drop that down to a six frame requirement. It's a little bit easier for the beekeeper to meet. um, And so they, you know, can be paid less money for that, those colonies. Or another way is to actually, um, you could pay for higher strength colonies, but stock fewer hives per acre. So maybe instead of you know two hives per acre at an eight frame average, you drop down to 1.8 hives per acre at a seven frame average or something like that. And so what, what's important to say about that is that crop insurance requirements um, do, sort of dictate it's, it's still a little gray area there, but they do dictate that you, um, have to have some minimum level of, of bees per acre for your pollination to make sure that you can actually collect an indemnity if you do have a loss. So what they say is, um, the sort of standard is two six frame colonies per acre, or it's equivalent. So, um, you could even do one 12 frame hive per acre and it would still meet that, um, that, you know, pollination requirement for crop insurance. So, um, that's another way to do it. I highly recommend, like I'm an economist. So I, you know, think about just like substituting these things, but, um, definitely talk with like a farm advisor or um, you know a, even your crop insurance agent to make sure you're still meeting that minimum requirement and you're still able to collect if, if that's a problem for you.
0: Well obviously growers have um, a lot at their fingertips to reduce expenses. Um, but of course the, the final expense will obviously depend on you know kind of what happens over the next year. So I'm just curious, you know, with given the economic outlook for 2022, as far as pollination goes, you know, what do you see happening after the season is over? Do you where do you where do you see the uh, the industry at?
2: Yeah, that's the billion dollar question. I think. Um, yeah, so that that's a tough thing to answer because it's still sort of up in the air. What's happening with with total almond acreage with the last you know couple years of drought and then also. We have the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act that might be leading to fewer acres of almonds. Um, I I mean, we've seen plantings slow down from recent years. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the water uncertainty and then also with relatively low prices right now. Um, but I, I guess the thing I'm reasonably confident in is that we probably won't see pollination expenses going down anytime soon um just because we're you know we're using 90 percent of the colonies already it's hard for beekeepers to keep their colonies alive so um, we're going to have to keep paying these relatively high pollination fees to bring that many uh colonies here um, for almond pollination so i'm reasonably confident in that and and I don't think we're going to see any sort of uh, rapid decrease in, in fees anytime soon. So I think it's really important for growers to be maintaining these relationships with their beekeepers, um, knowing that I always try and um, highlight this, that the lowest fee is not always the best fee because you don't know what you're getting. Sometimes you may have an unreliable beekeeper for that you know, lowest fee, or you may make your current beekeeper angry and they may go find somebody else that'll pay a higher fee. So, um, I think it's really important for growers to sort of, um, keep that in mind that they need the beekeeping industry. Um, just like the beekeeping industry also needs them. So, um, it's a good reciprocal relationship there.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you, Brittany, for, for coming on the show. Um, again, and talking about uh, the economic outlook for pollination for the year of 2022. Hopefully, we can, you know, figure this out as the years go, reduce those expenses. But for now, um, like you said, just keeping keeping those relationships is key, and um, doing those other things to reduce those expenses. So, thank you for for clarifying a lot of that.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me again.
0: Of course, this is Taylor with My Ag Life signing off.
2: Thanks for listening.
0: Subscribe for updates on new episodes, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.